I have a bit of a confession to make. I've never watched Jamie Oliver on telly. All right, that's not entirely true. Although my parents are English, I grew up in the States and moved to London for university. So in America, there was no Jamie Oliver on TV for me. After I spoke with Alex Jackson in episode one, I watched some old videos of Jamie's first TV show, The Naked Chef, where he's this loud, hyper, and charming young cook living in his own flat and riding a Vespa. After The Naked Chef, Jamie opened Restaurant 15, a training program for young people deserving of a chance with aspirations to cook. Hass trained to be a chef in the 15 program, Dante Sheffite is one of Jamie's students, but before he was a cook, he was an eater. I'm Will Stewart, and you're listening to A Cook's Library. I'd love to know about if you're sort of like your youngest first food memories. If you have that first one that clicked. Uh, I was at my nan's house, right? My nan had picked me up from school. Is this in England? Yeah, yeah, this is in England. So I'm, I'm half Turkish, half English. So my mum's side, the white side, are from Sheffield. Um, and dad's from North North Cyprus. Anyway, so I was at my nan's house and she'd made me a sandwich. My nan makes bad boy sandwiches. Like She was the person who taught me how to season a sandwich. Like My mum would never put salt and pepper in a sandwich, but my nan was all about butter, salt and pepper in a sandwich, no matter what it was, right? Then I was like, we've got no crisps. And like me and my friends often have this debate is that a sandwich isn't a sandwich without a bag of crisps. And different sandwiches, you require different bags of crisps, right? So I said to my nan, we've got no crisps. And she pulled out a... a a potato, a beetroot, and I think she had a parsnip. And then just really quickly on a mandolin, sliced them really thinly, deep fried them, and she made crisps. And I was fucking, can I swear? Yeah, you can swear. I was, I was mind blown, bro. Do you know what I mean? I was like, this woman has just made crisps before my eyes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it was just, I just remember sitting there eating them, being like, right, it's that easy. Like, you don't just have to buy a packet of crisps that you can just get vegetables, put them in oil, and you end up with the same product. Do you know what I mean? So I'd say that was my earliest Crisps in Was memory. it ever in sandwich or crisps with the sandwich? No, it's crisps with the sandwich, but crisp sandwich is a whole different Yeah, thing. no, you, it can't. <laughs> so square is a rectangle, rectangle is not a square type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the earliest one, crisps. Also, my dad would come home late, and my dad had this thing where the white side of the family, he was once at dinner with his in-laws, and my granddad had said to him, Oh, don't get used to eating steak every week because once you have your your own house, you won't be able to afford it. So my dad was like, fuck this. I'm having steak every Saturday. And he'd buy himself a steak. And my dad had come home after a long day at work, right? And he'd, pa- he'd pan fry a steak, normally a sirloin, very, very well done. <laughs> right. And then in the same pan would cut a few onions, some mushrooms, salt and pepper. And I knew that if I sat next to him at the dinner table, although I'd already eaten two hours ago, that he'd, he'd save me a couple bits. Do you know what I mean? So dad would come home on a Saturday and I'd be like, oh, it's steak Saturday. I'm going to go sit at, a, at the dinner table, see how his day was, just to get a little slice of steak. Yeah. And other than that is every time he was in the barbecue, outside on the barbecue on a Sunday, I'd be sat with him because I knew that once, when you're next to the barbecue, you're the tester. Do you know what I mean? It's There's a little bit of warm bread. It's not fully warm, but it's warm. Let's check if this little bit of lamb's cooked. In it goes. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is what barbecue's about. But I'd say those are my earliest, earliest memories of being a gannet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, I'm, I'm going to be wherever the food is. <laughs> so when when did you start cooking it? Um, do you know what? I secretly grew up watching cooking shows, right? So everyone would run home to, to watch Hey Arnold or Arthur. And I'd be like, nah, Ainsley Harriet, ready, steady, cook, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was like, the old school legends like Gary Rhodes, the other one that got done for stealing, what's his name, Worrell Thompson. 
Yeah. It, it was the OGs. Do you know what I mean? And I remember sitting there watching it and I guess Ainsley Harriet in a way is quite captivating anyway to watch. But there was always like looking at the food after and be like, oh yeah, that looks great. And then understanding how easy it was to make like a French onion soup or like put it like even when Ainsley was like put a little bit of coriander in your rice, zhuzh it up, and then you're like, rah, Ainsley's got all the tricks. <laughs> um but I, I wouldn't say I properly started cooking until I applied for the Jamie Oliver course. I knew that there was going to be a taste test. And like I, there was there was things that I could do around the kitchen. I could marinate meat, I could barbecue, I could do the basics, I could roast a potato, but not ever in like a loving, passionate way. It was more of how can I feed myself? What can I rustle up? And this is just at home. Yeah, this is just at home. No, no, not professional, nothing like that. But I knew that there was going to be a taste test on this three-part interview that I did at Jamie Oliver's. And and I'd say the first thing that I actually really, really cooked in order to impress people. I got all the boys together at a friend's house and I was like, I'm making salt and pepper prawns, hoisin broccoli and some white rice. And it took me to feed six people. I reckon it took about two and a half hours, right? Yeah. And the yeah. boys were like, where's this food house, man? Like, what are you doing? Like, how long is this going to take? Um, but I remember sitting down after and everyone was like, raw, this is delicious. And I look back at that dish now and how far it's come from when I used to find cooking rice intimidating or getting a batter right to deep fry, I, I kind of look at it and be like, in 10 years, you learn a lot just from like how intense the industry is and repetition and doing things on a daily. Yeah, well, it's hard. It's like cooking rice. I Like you, you smash it like 10 times in a row and then something goes wrong and it's fucked. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. little things like that. But it's the science, man. It's all about science. Not that I'm an advocate of food science or whatever. Like I don't really give a fuck about it, to be honest. But... It's the small things like, you know, when you eat abroad and you eat by the sea. So say you're eating, I don't know, sardines and a glass of white wine by the sea. And it's it's tremendous. It's like top notch. Yeah. It's like crisp white wine from the local area. It's sardines sourced from the sea you're looking at. It's it's the atmosphere. It's the air pressure. It's the humidity. Yeah, there's a study. It's called the Provencal Wine Complex. No way. Sorry. It's actually called the Provencal Rosé Paradox. So it, it was a study done in England on like middle class white British families who basically go to the south of France, drink the wine, love it, come back, and it's not the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it's because obviously like you're on holiday, you're not working, there's no stress, um, and it's that feeling. And after this, we had a visitor. It's my dog who's driving me mad. <laughs> Is he a? Uh, it's a puppy, isn't he? Yeah. Is he, how's he behaving? Badly. He's an absolute bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, he just bites stuff all the time. I've literally, while we've done this, I've been cleaning up poo and piss. Hass wanted me to clarify, the dog is not a guest on this podcast. So how did you get, you said there was a test to get into the Jamie Oliver, the 15. Yeah, so basically at the time I was a fully qualified plumber um, and a security guard at a art gallery on the South Bank. Mama, mama told me to apply and I was like, I'm never going to get in. So I shot an email. Um, I, I mean, by the time I got the first email back, it was all surreal. And like, it all just moved so quickly that it was one minute sitting in my bedroom in North London on the computer, probably downloading something on LimeWire whilst filling out an application form to day one meeting Jamie Oliver, putting on a chef hat and learning how to make chicken stock. Right. It was a matter of weeks. Do you know what I mean? So every time I talk about it, I have to speak about it so highly with like everything that those people did and the way they, like Jamie just bent over in order for these kids to have an opportunity and I'm forever grateful. And it was definitely the best year of my life. And it showed me 
so much. And I think the day that I got in, I grew up as a person. I know people are like, oh, the first time you have sex, you're a man. Do you know what I mean? But like, there's things in life that make you grow up other than that stuff. And I think for me, that was like the first stepping into the real world and understanding what hard work was. Yeah, I listened to a really good podcast with Jamie and he was talking about how he had the naked chef and mm. got, you know, a lot of money from that deal. I was like, well, what are you going to do with it? And everyone was sort of coming out in different directions. And then he said, well, I want to do 15, which was sort of like against every, like everyone was like, well, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, Cause yeah, it's yeah. like, it's not going to work. Um, but obviously produces loads of kids who can cook, change kids' lives. I mean, it went 15 years strong, bro. And quite frankly, you need more people like that in the world, bro. Like my local college ain't doing nothing like that for no one. Yeah. Like you need someone to take a piss in the wind once in a while and hope it pays off. Mm. But it also, it comes with a negative connotation. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I'd apply for jobs sometimes and they'd be like, oh, what did you do to get into 15? Or who did you stab? Or can we trust you around a knife? And it's just like, hold on a minute, bro. Like, let's not be dicks about this, that I was in a poor area, school gave up on me, I gave up on school, I didn't leave with GCSEs and qualifications, I had no run in life, no direction, and just because we're from 15 doesn't make us scumbags, do you know what I mean? So it, in some ways it was great, and in other ways it was it hindered on opportunities, that people expect you to be of a certain way. That's mad. I didn't. I had no idea that you'd sort of face that. I mean, it doesn't really surprise me. I think that like we know that there's a lot of elitism in the industry. Hundred um, percent. What were your first jobs out of fifteen? Uh, first job, I struggled for. I think it was about four months. But then I was on a shoot with Jamie Oliver. He was doing a Christmas shoot for a cookbook. He was like, what are you doing for work? I was like, I haven't got a job, Jamie. And he was like, give me one minute. I'll make one phone call and I'll get you a job right now. And I was like, with who? And he was like, do you want to do pasta? And I was like, well, it's what I've been doing for six months. I'll give it a go. So he rings Theo Randall at the Intercontinental Hotel in front of me. And he was like, Theo, I've got this great chef. I need you to give him a job. Bosh, put the phone down. He was like, "Has you're there on Monday. Sorted. Yeah. And I was just like, this guy has done me so many favors already that, but he still is just like, do you know what? I'll get you a job. Do you know what I mean? And he, he wants the best for people. And then I'd met Stevie Powell through a friend and spent the next six years working in and out of Stevie Powell restaurants. And then like stuff happened and I wasn't really in the mood and my head weren't in the right place, mental health struggles. And it got to a point where my, my girlfriend at the time had said to me, just go solo, Hass. Just, just start doing your own stuff write recipes, publish them, do this, do that, and start making steps for you and what your brand is, so to mm -hmm. speak. And then for two years, I've just been doing that. So where did, um, what, did cookbooks play any part or was it mainly your like sort of... Do you know what? I'm sat next to, I'm sat next to my cookbook collection, yeah? I've got, I've got a good few cookbooks, right? But I've never worked in a restaurant where I have to follow a recipe to a tea. So... Yeah, there were guidelines of recipes, but it was often like, I trust you to make this and season this and get this right. There wasn't ever like a step by step by step by step. Mm. But I'll always go back to cookbooks for reference, but I don't often follow recipes word for word. So if I'm making something out of someone's cookbook and I feel that this needs coriander seed, I'll add coriander seed. And that's, that's not me tarnishing your recipe. That's just me accommodating your food to my palate do you know what i mean like like making it more my style and what i want to mm. eat i mean every person i've spoken to so far has been like you know i don't have i haven't cooked that much from this but yeah like but which is just like i think that's kind of the irony of cooks that obviously like people love books or don't love books or use books but 
we're going to cook it how we want to cook it for the most part. Yeah. I mean, if if I look at this collection now and I tell you the books I've actually cooked out of, uh, Jamie's 15-minute meals was a one, one that I use quite often. Uh, Alex Jackson's sardines got some bad boy recipes in it. Anything Ottolenghi, Ottolenghi flavor with Ixtar, big boy book. Like, there's no meat in that book, and every recipe slaps. Like, the miso onions. Um, I made this tamarind and potato thing that was, like, on top of yogurt. Bad. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I was like, rah, this shit. I don't even have to change any of this. Like, they've got a team of really intelligent cooks that just, like, follow Ottolenghi's ethos and smash all their recipes out. And that's why Ottolenghi does so well. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But for me, the go-to throughout my career, like, when I got to, like, senior senior chef to party to head chef, the go-to book was uh, Silver Spoon. Right. Which is the chef's equivalent of, like, the Bible. Yeah. Well, best thing a time cookbook of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call it a punter's cookbook. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's not pictures. It's not visuals. It's flavors and it's food of origin and it's things that if you were to work in an italian restaurant you should know like you should know how to make a tomato sauce you should know how to make a salsa verde you should know how to make a pasta from scratch Mm. that's the the book that i often look at flick through if i'm struggling or if i'm having like a mental block or if i just need some inspiration that's the one i'm like yeah this book always always i always find something in that book um that that tickles my fancy but for me an important book i can't remember who it's by i think it's andy harris and david loftus and it's eat istanbul right and i got this book for christmas off my brother-in-law um and just flicking through it it was like david loftus anything that david loftus shoots is fucking makes you want to eat paper do you know what i mean like you want to rip that paper out and put it in your mouth in in hope that you can taste what it looks like do you know what i mean yeah and it's fucking rank yeah. <laughs> Paper. Yeah. But it was just a book for me that I'd never been to Istanbul. So like people know me as Turkish but don't know the the background and the heritage of like North Cyprus and how it happened. So I'd never touched mainland Turkey. So a couple of years back, me and my two best friends from school got to go to Istanbul and like we le- I, I learned so much just from being there about Are they are they Turkish as well? Uh one of them's Turkish, the other one's a a, a Kurd from Iraq. Um, but like lifelong friends, we've been friends since day one of secondary school. They both live local. And it was like a lot of people just go on like Ibiza trips and Magaluf and that to have a good time. And I was just mm-hmm. like, let's do something that's heritage, culture, feels like us, somewhere where we're going to feel at home. And we went on like almost this, for me, it felt like a pilgrimage that was like, this is where our food gener- like came from. And it's like as far back as the fucking Silk Road and there's all of this history and there's like the Hagia Sophia and there's all of these Bosphorus Bridge and all these beautiful scenes. And for me, not just because it was Turkey, but those trips are so inspiring and like I'd recommend any chef to to go off and do stuff. Um, but if we are talking books, right? I know not just cookbooks, but the only book I ever read after Of Mice and Men from school was um, Kitchen Confidentials. Yeah. And I can't remember who told me to read it. Uh, no, um, Richard Blackwell at Palatino, who was my head chef at the time, was like, have you read Bourdain's book? And I was like, I don't read books, Rich, man. I listen to rap music and smoke spliffs, man. I ain't got time for a book. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember opening this book after a service, right? Smoking a cheeky bifter on a night, before I got on the night bus, not on the night bus. 
But opening this book and reading one line that said um, the P's, right? And it was prior preparation prevents poor performance. And from I read that line, I was like, this book's, I'm, I'm reading this book all the way through. Do you know what I mean? Like this guy is talking some sense and things that he said are relatable. And it was just a solid book. And then I read Cook's Tour. And then I started to do my own little memoir on a, on a trip to Sri Lanka that I went on last year. And I was like, I want to write a book, man. And this is like a kid that lived in like shitty old Tottenham that had no G- no qualifications, never listened in English lit, like didn't care about Shakespeare and that. And those books were like the ones that were like, I want to write cookbooks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Bourdain is so sick, man. I mean, like he was 42 when that came out. He's such a legend, bro. I'm currently reading, have you ever read On the Noodle Road? No. It's basically about who invented noodles. Was it the Italians or the Chinese? And I can't remember the author's name. I'm sure she's an American lady. Um, she grew up in America and she's like, I'm going on this quest about heritage. I want to find out where noodles started. And there was this chapter about they found a noodle that had been buried and then it disintegrated and they couldn't figure out if it was a noodle or not. But like, I, 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 I guess I relate to those books being of mixed culture. Do you know what I mean? Of having an English side and a Turkish side and not knowing exactly where you fit in and like in Cyprus, I'm a stranger and in London, I'm a foreigner. Do you know what I mean? So I'd love to write a book that was about culture and heritage and with the nitty gritty side of of Bourdain. Do you know what I mean? I think those books, for me, it's just about realness, man. Like I feel that TV can be fake. I feel like a lot of things can be fake. But if you have the opportunity to, to write something that means something to you, and yeah, it might ruffle a few feathers, but that's life, bro. Do you know what I mean? I checked in with Hass before releasing this, and he's still dealing with a bitey puppy and endlessly cleaning up after him. Also, he has a YouTube series. Watch Sunday Sessions with Big Hass for some proper barbecue lessons. You can follow me on Instagram at a Cook's Library. Thanks again. Keep cooking and keep eating.